177 years ago, Charles Dickens published his work, A Christmas Carol. This story of love and redemption has continued to speak to generation after generation as a reminder of what we have had in our past, what we currently possess in our present, and what our deeds might lead to in our future. For many, it is a tradition to relive that fateful night in Ebenezer Scrooge's life, to rediscover oneself among the trappings of Christmas. This year, my co-host and I felt that the holidays weren't holding their typical twinkle. We're in a we're in a weird time right now in terms of our our holidays. Um, we're not we're not able to be with the people that we love. Thanksgiving was was you know a, a month ago, and now we're yeah. we're we're here. We're at we're at Christmas, but it doesn't it doesn't really feel like it. There's just no I I don't feel like the normal things that I cling to around Christmas. And a part of it is because I'm not working mm-hmm. on a Christmas carol um, and telling that story. And I think that was always such a staple of my yeah. holiday season. And it's, and not doing that has really kind of messed with my timeline. Yeah. yeah. I think, I, I think that's the disruption of holiday norms is, has been a mm-hmm. huge, I think that's been for everybody. Um, has been a has been a has made the holidays not feel that way laura and i stopped recording the episode we had planned for this holiday special and decided it was time to get to the bottom of a question that had haunted us much like the four ghosts of scrooge what is the meaning of christmas We considered reaching out to various people about answering this question. Many knowledgeable scholars and oracles were considered, but then Laura had an idea. Why don't we talk to somebody who has experienced the meaning of Christmas firsthand? And so, Laura and I, with the help of some pretty incredible people, arranged to speak to the man himself about what Christmas means. You're listening to Scrooge. The man behind the carol. So, uh, Mr. Scrooge, it is. Uh, thank you so much for for being with no, us. No, no, uh, no. Thank you. <laughs> thank you very much for the invitation. A podcast. <laughs> yes, it is. <laughs> thank you very much for the invitation. This is Ebenezer Scrooge. The man who all those years ago was known for his bah humbug. From the moment we sat down with him, we could feel the bright energy pouring out of him. We could hardly believe this was the man for which the term Scrooge is named. We needed to hear his experience, not from the perspective of Charles Dickens, but from Ebenezer himself. I know that your story has been told to death, almost literally, um, (laughs) since since it originally... <laughs> so, so if it's okay with you, I'd like to kind of get into your reaction because that's not something that that people have really. Sometimes it's it, we've gone into that, but a lot of times it's just been like the the exterior of your experience. Oh, well said. The exterior of my experience. So, you want the the nitty gritty, the inside scoop, as it were. Yes, yes, absolutely. <laughs> if if that would be okay and permissible oh, please, to you. Please, please, I'm 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 truly honored that you would ask. Of course, of course, please. Well, okay, so um Marley. 
um, your your business partner. Molly was dead. That is certain. This story, I mean, <laughs> my story could not be told unless we know that Molly was dead. As dead as a doornail, although I don't know why doornails are dead. But he was as dead <laughs> as a doornail. To see Molly's face on a door knocker. Well, uh, I, I don't quite know how to describe that reaction other than humbug. <laughs> there it was, right in front of me, a face glaring. And Marley was, well, you know, as you say, not, not a looker, not a looker. So even in life, he was a ferocious looking man and at death with a cloth wrapped around his face. Eyes gaunt, skin as white as snow. Well, it was, um, it was, it was a little startling. I don't know if it's a direct quote from you or not, but to say that, um, you know, you you thought uh, he was a, a bit of uh, undigested beef and a bit of old mustard and all of that. I, I feel like all of us would have that reaction. Things we don't agree with. What do we do? We challenge them. We belittle them. We mock them. We. We do anything we can to resist the truth. And uh, that's that's what I was doing. I was resisting the truth of his presence, but also that's the truth of him being there as a friend. He saved me. I, mm. I didn't deserve saving any more than anyone else, but he, through thick and thin, through the hells of the tortures that, the pain and the suffering, he reached out to me. And um, mm. all I could do at that time was doubt and mock. Yes. Yes, well, that's what we do, isn't it? We doubt and mock. And what what was going through your head as he was basically calling you out on all of your your um your your transgresses all of your all of the things that you had done uh he's calling you out for them and uh and what what was what was going through your mind in that moment well what went through my mind in that moment and what goes through my mind now when i look back on it of course two very different things mm. uh, today i'm very thankful and i recognize the truth of what he said but in that moment no no, there was not an ounce of truth. Even when I recognized him as a ghost, I was certain he was wrong. Absolutely wrong. I was certain that somehow he had just lost sight of what was important. Power, money, mm. control. And in those moments where he was telling me about my oh, immortal soul, I was certain he had lost all grasp of reality. Because what else was there, especially for a man like me, other than power and control? So, no. Mm -hmm. When he was speaking to me, even when I accepted he was uh, a ghost, a, um, how shall we say, a, a real ghost. Oh, no, I didn't believe a word he said. He was wrong. <laughs> and when he when he said that you were not only going to be visited by him as a spirit, but you were going to have three other guests that evening, what was what was your thought Hot at that point? Horror, John! Horror! <laughs> John, this to be visited by one spirit is quite many spirits enough. You want to be visited by three more? No, John, it's horror. What do you think, John? John. <laughs> They're from the grave, John. They're from the barley. Was not a pleasant-smelling man when he was alive. <laughs> <laughs>
also in the story when you're there with when you go back and look at your your schoolboy days with past a <laughs> uh, fan comes to get you and bring you home for christmas yeah. what was that like to see that moment again oh laura laura what who wouldn't who wouldn't as as uh, as you get older Oh my goodness, who wouldn't give everything in the universe for one more moment with a person? Just one more. Uh, to see Fan again, and to see her just as I remembered her, full of life and charm and splendor. I, that, that was a gift. There was no lesson there. That was a gift of memory. I had locked that out, you know, I, I had, locked that door to myself. I had never allowed myself to remember Sam that way. It was the beginning of, shall I say, of my transformation. Just loves, fans love, even after the grave, after she had long passed. It was her love that started my change. What more could you ask for a sibling? She's, oh, she was everything, is everything to me. When it seems that her her relationship before she passed was was such a um an anchor for your humanity so it so like i can't i can't even begin to imagine what that loss would have been like years later well it's it's yes a loss yes john a loss a loss but john we all suffer losses we all mm. suffer losses we all have pains and tribulations and some of us make it through, and some of us do not. I love my sister, and her sister, her love for me was quite strong. But I don't want to say that it was her absence that sent me on a path, John. No, it was, mm. it was my choice, John. I made mm. those choices that made me into the man that I was. I, mm. uh, just as I made the choices that make me into the man that I am now. And I also want to talk a little bit about um, Fred, and your relationship with Fred, because Fred is was and is the kind of that bridge of maintaining a little bit of your relationship and with Fan after her death. But you were not on board with that for a long time. No, no, I was not. No, you would say that not only was I not on board, I tried to sink that ship, Laura. I tried. <laughs> that. That joy that he shared with Fan, well, that that saved me, didn't it? Yes, that saved mm. me. That uh, it's it's, you know, Laura. He he wasn't doing it for anything. There was no ultimate event that he was waiting for. He just never gave up on me. He still would have knocked on my door every year, and he still would have smiled when he sees me because it wasn't about how I behaved. It was about how he behaved, how he saw the world. He was a gift to me and one that I was blinded to for many years. Oh, but since then, <laughs> I have knocked on his door, Laura. I have knocked on his door at every hour of the day. I have returned his joy sevenfold. And I would say that um, uh, sometimes not all uh, wel hit a welcome hour. <laughs> Ha <laughs> ha. 
but I'm sure he's still happy to see you. Well, you'll have to ask him, won't you? <laughs> I guess we will. <laughs> uh, I, I, I'm surprised that Marley sent three and not 300 spirits. <laughs> I, 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 looking back, I'm amazed that the three were able to accomplish what they did. Well, that's the last thing I want to ask. Just the um, last! Regarding... I saw no, no, well... three ghosts and traveled through time! Over oceans! I was perhaps the first mortal man to view the world from space! And this is the last question you want to ask. No, no, no. The last question regarding um, your visit with uh, spirit, the past oh, spirit. Oh, oh, I see. Yes, of course. Um, yes. <laughs> We've got so much more to discuss with the other two. I would hope so. Um, <laughs> I only read the first third of the book, and then I didn't realize there was there were any more spirits after well, spoilers, that. Um, spoilers, John. Spoilers. <laughs> but with uh, my last question regarding the past, um, what was for you? What do you think of if if you can? Do you think was the most impactful? for the the beginning of those cogs turning back. No, 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 John. I I, I wish I could have a pithy statement, but no, it was, <laughs> it was that. It was all of it. The story of A Christmas Carol begins with Ebenezer and ends with the faded words, God bless us, everyone, uttered by the boy who helped solidify Scrooge's transformation from miser to philanthropist, Tiny Tim. Do you still find it acceptable for people to call you Tiny Tim, or do you just go by Tim now that you're all grown up? No, just Tim. Thank you. I am <laughs> the, the tiny at my, at my age is um no no just just Tim is fine. Yeah. This and is Tim Cratchit, son of the infamous Robert Cratchit, whose crutch and moniker of Tiny are well behind him. I don't need to be. You know, I mean, people don't need to know that it's me. I mean, I told Uncle a long time ago to stop pointing at me when he would say Tiny Tim in the street. <laughs> <laughs> the expectations get really high about who I am and how I'm going to behave. And we sat down with Tim for some insight on the man he now calls Uncle Ebenezer. The first time that you heard the name Ebenezer Scrooge, what what went through your mind? Well, I you know it was. Um, <laughs> I mean, I've told Ebenezer this before, but. Uh, it was a bit of a chilling name in our in our household for quite some time. It was a name that my my father brought home all the time, and my mother complained about all the time. It wasn't a name that brought us joy in any way, shape, or form. I mean, um, my father was a is a lovely, very even keel man, but uh, when he would bring that name to the household, there would invariably be shouting from my mother. <laughs> What was going through your head as you were like at the Cratchit family and you're you're hearing the the toast to you and you're hearing the disdain coming from um, like Mrs. Cratchit? When I peeked into the Cratchits, who who Cratchit was at home was completely different than who he was at the office. And, Mm. you know, John, that had said a lot about me, didn't it? It said a lot about me that my office, that my demeanor was one where he couldn't be the man that he really was. And so the first thing I noticed when I peeked in the Cratchits was who this man was. It's not the man at my office, not the groveling, humble mouse in the corner rubbing his paws together to stay warm. 
And as far as uh, <coughs> Mrs. Cratchit, well, <laughs> John, we both are ama amazed, flat out amazed, that she spoke with as much, uh, shall we say, uh, politeness as she did. <laughs> <laughs> I have since then uh, reminded her of those moments, and uh, she has, with a little twinkle in her eye, uh, has, um, shall we say, uh, agreed and let me know the, the secret store that she had kept <laughs> away from the children. <laughs> what was your knowledge of his family up until that moment? Oh, John, what is a family but hanger-ons? Mm. More things to spend money on when money should be kept and counted. A family is a burden, John. So, Tim, what was your first, what was your first meeting with Scrooge? Like sometimes, you know, me and my mother would go and pick up my father, wait for him outside of the the counting house, and so I had certainly seen him before through the window, through the the solitary candle that he you know allowed to flicker behind him. Before Scrooge, before all of this this whole thing happened, what was it like for you growing up? It was still a time of immense joy. I I, I think one of the things I. It's not that I miss it, but I remember incredibly fondly, Laura, is those times in that tiny house. I mean, the tiniest of houses. And I've, I've visited that house since I grew up, and it is miraculously small. I mean, I have a lot of siblings um, and, and my parents, and I, I think my father had to stoop to get through that doorway. But I, I don't remember those Christmases in a negative light. Um, my father and mother were marvelous at stretching the tiniest amount of, of sort of food and joyousness to fill that tiny house. I remember that I was ready for change, John. I was ready. After I had seen Christmas present, after I had seen some of the joy, some of the suffering, the need, after I had seen Tiny Tim and present told me that, that there was a crutch at an empty chair at the table, I was ready for a change, John. I was ready. But it, was, it took Christmas future to remind me, to remind me how very brief a moment we have with each other, John. What was it like for you, Tim, to hear the story of Scrooge experiencing your funeral? Throughout the years, I, I don't think as a very, as a very tiny boy, um, you quite realize the seriousness of the situation you were in. I think my parents did. I mean, I know they did. For, for sure, and some of, you know, Peter and Martha, I mean, some of my siblings certainly knew that I was not well. The first time I heard Scrooge talking about my funeral, I mean, it was a bit chilling to be sure, but I, I remember in that first telling in particular, Scrooge taking extra care to look at me and to make sure that I knew that that certainly was not how the story would end. Um, you could, you could, you could, you could tell that just by the way he looked at me that there was going to be a turn, that something warm was coming, and I think that I grabbed onto that sort of a bit of a, a life raft, to be honest, and um, followed that through to the end of the story. But it took Christmas future to remind me, John. There is no time to waste. A second, a breath, every second we have should be cherished, John. Cherished. There's just not enough time to reach out, to draw them in, to help our fellow man, John. And without, without future, no, I would have been a well-intending, well-meaning person who had plenty of time to take care of other people. Tomorrow, perhaps, I feel a bit tired today. Before this experience, 
had you thought about your future? And if so, was it something that you wanted to see? Or is it something that you did not before you were actually confronted with it? You know, John, I, I've never been asked that before. No, I don't, I don't think. John, I don't think I ever thought about my future. I think the, it's, I, the, the furthest futuring thought I had was just about the exchange of coin from one hand to another. How, mm. how good a deal I could make from this person on the next day or the next week when rent came due. But no, I don't think I ever imagined myself. I don't think I ever took the time. While we did speak to both Tim and Ebenezer on separate occasions, we couldn't put the story to rest until we brought them together to reflect on their legacy. We have a special guest uh, joining us uh, this this evening. I hope it's not one of the spirits, John. I very much appreciate. <laughs> I very much appreciate what they've done for me, but I hope never to see them again. Oh dear God! <laughs> Thank you so much for having me. It's um, an absolute pleasure to be here uh, with my, um, well, now I guess I call him Uncle Scrooge. Hey, Matthew. <laughs> How are you, Mr. Scrooge? How are you? <laughs> I feel like we just saw each other. This is, it's strange to sit down and uh, have a people with us, but um, it's, uh, it's, it's, as I was Oh, you, it's a delight, Tim. It's a delight. But I mean, the first time I actually met, uh, uh, I mean, it was, it was a bit scary, I, I will admit. I mean, so he sent the turkey, which we, we, we didn't know at the time, that, that huge one, absolutely delicious. And the next day, um, my father went off to work. And that evening, um, bursting through our doorway, I mean, was the horrific form of Ebenezer Scrooge. But um, uh, he was, uh, it was, it was very disconcerting. I think there was a full moment of sort of silence and this sort of horrible, unused grin upon his face. I mean, <laughs> like some sort of animal bursting into your into your comfortable home. And my, you know, my my mother, I think at the time, grabbed a kitchen knife of some kind, just <laughs> quietly, just to make sure. But uh, so, but my, my father was there quite dumbfounded with Scrooge. And um, it took a while, but it it took it took a while, but there was something sort of sweeping about Scrooge. This the energy that he brought in, this new sort of person. I mean, it took over the house, and that that sort of silence, that unknowing, you know, sort of clenched um, manner of the house. I mean, it turned rapidly. I mean, he brought in the spirit of Christmas like no one had before. Oh, so, Timothy, I mean, you're you're very kind. You're very kind, John. You know. It, uh, Smiling was a new experience for me, John. It was a new experience. <laughs> it was my, horrible. My face was really just... It just had no practice in those muscles, didn't know what to do. And I would say in the early years, in the early days of smiling, it was uh, disconcerting to say the least. If you were on the other end of it, if you were on the receiving end of it, as it were. And I, I will also say that that the, the family received me with joy, John, with joy. They managed me. They helped me find my new feet, as it were. I was a toddler, John. I was an old, gray, bedecked toddler with lots of energy and happiness and joy, smiling with old man teeth. It was a horrifying moment. And they took me in, John. They took me in and they guided and they cared for me. They, they, they trained me in joy, John. Tim, what was what was your first uh, reaction when Uncle Ebenezer t- 
told you the story of his transformation. It's a it's a marvelous it's a marvelous tale. I will say that throughout the years, I don't know how you'll take this, um, Uncle Scrooge, but the tale does grow each year. It doesn't <laughs> stay the same. Those no, Uncle, don't deny it. Those ghosts get scarier and bigger and more joyful. I repeat and it, it happened. It is not. It is not. The graveyard is bigger. Tennessee, you do me bigger. a great injustice, young man. <laughs> Oh, I, I don't know. I think it's lovely. I think really, Uncle, you're just, you know, remembering the finer details as the years wear on. So I think it's all, it's all Thank you, Tim. Yes, I remember does... the finer details. Thank you. That's <laughs> right. Absolutely. Absolutely. You do. Yes, there's a future in Parliament for you, sir. A future in Parliament. <laughs> well, it's so, it's so interesting, like hearing you speak about particular people especially over that evening and because you talk about the the light and the joy of your sister the light and the joy of your nephew and then the light and the joy of tiny tim and of of the family of the cratchit family in that moment and so it seems it seems to me that that you were see even though you may not have subconsciously like you may not have been intentionally seeking out that light but it seems, especially hearing you talk about it, that you were very much drawn to it, even though you you didn't know that you were drawn to it. Drawn, drawn, what a great word, John. Drawn to their light. Yes, I don't know that I chose to go towards that light, John, as you said. No, that is, that's the power of love, isn't it, John? It draws, it draws people to it. And I, I what a, what a debt of gratitude, a debt that shall never be paid to all those people who have loved us when we were at our worst, John, at our worst. Love pulled me towards it, which is why, John, why? Why today? It is so important that, that we let love shine through us because God knows, God knows, John, there are so many more out there, John, so many more like myself that need me, that need my light to shine, to draw them in. So, yes, John, Fanny and the, the Ratchets and Fred, and it's just their love drew me to them. And I'll, I'll, I'll ever be thankful for that, John, ever, ever, ever. If you were to describe Ebenezer before that night, before that Christmas Eve, in one word, what would it be? Ghoul. And then... Ghoul. Okay, very nice. Very. That came out very quickly. Uh, <laughs> it's a child. It's a child's word, isn't it? I mean, it's, it's, of course, it's a monster. It's, it's a monster. I mean, that's that's what mm. it was. It was it was just lurking, sort of like you know. And you could, he had the stick, the walking cane, all the time. So he's like this three-legged, sort of hobbling, <laughs> shadowy beast. I would say ghoul. Yeah, ghoul is good. Okay, and then one word to describe him after that after that night. Oh God, that's so much harder. That's so much harder. I feel like he has blossomed <laughs> into like a thousand uh, things. You you possibly can't describe one word. I, I I'm just gonna. Say, I mean, it's obvious, but I'm just gonna say Christmas. We are trying to figure out what the meaning of Christmas really is. So, what is it to either of you? <laughs> <laughs> what is the meaning What's of it all Christmas? About? Why do we oh. do this? <laughs> well, Tim. Would you like to encapsulate the meaning of Christmas? <laughs> oh, sure. Let me just briefly wrap up the entirety of the meaning of Christmas. Yes, no problem. Here we are. 
<laughs> you know, I don't, I don't know that I have an answer for uh, for that uh, for that, Laura. But I, I think maybe just offering a tiny offering of your own, or, or outstretching your hand to someone, and knowing that the tiny gesture can bridge that gap, can can stop them from falling in, and get them some somewhere else that can help them along. And um, yeah, well that's said. resonated with me. Well said. Well said. Um. Well, the meaning of Christmas. Well, there's the mass of Christ, of course. <laughs> but I would say that beyond the religious context, there is some point where we recognize, there is a moment where we say we must reach out to each other. We must remind ourselves that the person next to us is not just taking up space. It's not just breathing our air. That there's a living human being there, and as as Tim said so beautifully, it just—it's the day where we remind ourselves to reach out, to reach out, to help them across that gap. That's 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 the meaning of Christmas. Remind ourselves that we all need—we all need a hand. I, I guess my discovery would be the meaning of Christmas is love. What makes all of our collective memories of Christmas's past, present, and future um, is love. Merry Christmas, John. Merry Christmas, Mr. Scrooge. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you so much for joining us for Scrooge, the man behind the carol. Thank you to David Daniel and Casey Huckstra for providing their talent to today's episode. I'm John Seidenberg. And I'm Laura Arnold, wishing you a Merry Christmas from us here at Anecdotal Dote. <laughs>